0: This Podcast Movement 2022 audio session is brought to you by Supporting Cast, the best way to sell and deliver exclusive podcasts. And special thanks to PM22 virtual ticket presenting sponsor, Amazon Music.
1: Oh, good morning, everyone. Check, check. Who went to sleep early last night? Yeah, fuck. my voice is fucking gone. All right.
0: Joe went to bed at 7.45. This
1: is going to be good, because this is the hangover panel that everybody's been waiting for.
2: Podcast, marathon, podcast movement is a marathon, not a sprint, so stay hydrated. Who's talking?
0: Love Aaron from oh, come on. Triton Digital.
1: All right, so, here's what, so we have actually a really good panel. This is a fantastic. We've been putting this together for a while now. We're all old friends, and we're going to talk it up a little bit about podcast growth. Um, this is a fucking mouthful. I didn't write that. Uh, title: We're going to just call it What Fucking Works. What Works to Promote Your Podcast. That's it. Uh, so let me make uh, some quick introductions. She spent years in media and then left media completely, but they kept pulling her back. And now we have the head of growth and marketing for one of the biggest podcast companies out there, Lemonata Media. Please give a warm welcome to Lizzie Bowenbryer. I said it backwards or forwards, right? Did it? I did it all right. Uh, and of course, one of the OGs in podcast success stories and hosting success stories, selling Omni to Triton, now serves as the SVP of Triton Digital's podcast growth, uh, and she is the only one of us up here to pass the bar, which is great. Luckily, she turned around and did a shot with us this morning and tequila with the rest of the panel before we got up here. So, big warm welcome to Sharon Taylor.
2: Please have a clap. Lawyer. I need validation. I did not pass. The and bar? he
1: runs one of the funniest podcasts out there, The Commercial Break. It is a top podcast in comedy. I don't know how, but it's fucking awesome. And runs advertising and audience growth for one of the most well-known advertising companies, advertise cast. Ladies and gentlemen, please clap your hands for Brian Green. Yes, and this is the kind of applause and validation we need throughout the entire panel. Please make sure to be interactive. If you have a question, just stand up and ask it. We want people to actually ask questions and learn shit that they actually want to learn about. So don't sit here and wait for like Q and A time where the guy runs around the microphone and then you uh, just participate, okay? So let's actually kick it off, because one of the things, oh wait, I'm Joe Rubin. Uh, I'm with MoPod. We do podcast growth. We live it and breathe it every single day. it is awesome, it is paid advertising, it's fan-fucking-tastic, I love this industry, I love my company, uh, and I love myself, and I want you all to love me, but thank you. I don't want to talk about me the, for the rest of the panel, so, so please do not talk about Mopad, I want to have I think, I think other can, shit.
2: I think we can wrap the panel, I think that everyone has got the main takeaways. Swear a lot, be super energetic, lie about being a lawyer, that's how to market things. Perfect. <laughs> great, great <cool.
1: laughs> Fucking No more notes. Awesome. All right, podcast growth, we just started a podcast. We launched it, we're about to launch it. What's on my to-do list? Where do I start?
3: Where do we start? Uh, You start by figuring out who your audience is. That's always the most important thing. I know it sounds really obvious, but it's very important. I am guessing that despite being allegedly a large network, which I'm not so sure about, you guys mostly are in the same boat as we are, which is that we don't have an audience insights team. but there are so many things that you can do to figure out who your audience is and be able to pick them out of a lineup. Like if you're in a grocery store and you look at 10 people in front of you in line, you should be able to say that person right there, they would listen to this podcast because of what they're buying, because of what they're wearing, because of everything about them. If you can get that narrow in on your target, that will help you make all of the decisions that come later about how to market it.
0: I think you hone your craft. I think you make your show good. I think you make it binge worthy to the listeners, and then you worry about growing your audience. Consider the beginning of your podcast, your practice sessions, your sound check, whatever you want to call it. Um, but I think a lot of, I think some mistakes some podcasters make is they turn their podcast into a business two days after they launch their first episode. They take the fun out of it, and then disappointment has been set up from the beginning. So get good, get your, get a couple of listeners that really love you and then go spend some money to grow your audience. My first podcast sucked. It was so bad. Luckily, your second one hit it out of the park. I, I, we, we went up, uphill for sure.
2: I imagine it's marked as explicit. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I would say don't do two things. So oh, oh, shit. Okay. You all right? I almost died. <laughs> you like to
3: to you? No.
2: Do you want to sit down? Cool. We're going for like a whole vibe of energy. I'm fine. Uh, (laughs) Everything's gone off the rails on the last day of podcast movement. Okay. Um, I would say don't Don't make an assumption that the way that you launch your podcast is the way that your listeners want to hear it forever. A, B, test. Look at what's working. Change things up. And then the second don't is don't just assume that people will find it. There are four million podcasts, two if you listen to some people, four if you listen to others. Um, I said the other day on a different panel, like, we all have this habit of treating a podcast launch as if we've written a book and want to tiptoe into the world's largest library, ninja in at night, hide on a bookshelf, and slip out, and then the next day bemoan why no one has found our podcast. So you've got to think about promoting it outside of podcasts as well as onto other podcasts.
1: Fair enough. Uh, I will say one thing about your audience comment, and pardon my voice, I did a lot of yelling for the past, like, three days. Um, <clears throat> uh, I've had so many people come to us and say, here's where we want to... Uh, target. This is our exact audience. This is who listens to us. And then we find out later that it is not that audience. So I wouldn't try to, I wouldn't try to just pin, pigeonhole yourself into just one little thing. I, I would make sure you know who is actually listening to it, not who you want to listen to it, who's actually listening to it.
3: Yeah. And I think that goes really to what Brian said, which is you have to have a, pro- a good product because if you don't, then you really are trying to market something and it's all smoke and mirrors. But it is also important to understand who your audience is as you're developing that product because then you can make sure that they line up. I think one of the most common problems that we hear is that the marketing team thinks that the audience is one thing and the production team thinks that the audience is something else or they don't even think about the audience at all and then they're making a beautiful show that has no audience. It's the Field of Dreams model, right? If you build it, they will come. Not always
0: true. Yeah, I think, like, you think of uh, some bad marketing fails in history. New Coke, they spent a billion dollars marketing New Coke, but it was shit. So no one bought it, no one liked it. They should have spent some time asking the people who were drinking Coca-Cola, what would you like to taste in a new version of Coca-Cola? So I I think of that, and new podcasters, I I, I think they're very eager to get in the rat race and spend money and grow the audience huge, but spend some time on the actual content is...
3: Well, and also, what is it doing for you? So it's not just understanding who, but why. And I think that's where New Coke was like, well, why? Okay, what's wrong with old Coke? Nothing, or we're not solving a new problem here. So you may have a really good idea who your audience is that you wanna go after, but if you don't understand why they would need this podcast to fill some kind of role in their life, then it's gonna be an uphill battle.
1: And I don't think it's just a, a beginner thing too, right? Like CNN Plus. I don't know how many hundreds of millions of dollars they spent launching that. And they're a media company, one of the biggest media companies in the world. And it was a complete disaster. So it, and that's people who be tons of money to launch these things for a living. And it, it was an epic debacle. Like, so it's not just, not just beginners.
0: Yeah.
2: The other way of looking at that is is it's okay to fail. Like yeah. A number of podcasters hold on to the concept of their show and it's not working, like you can change, you can launch a different show, like you could change things up. But I don't want to.
0: <laughs> but my show's really good. It's mediocre at best, but let's just say it's really good. I feel
2: like it should be. We should have just like an intervention. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Thanks, Aaron from Trayton. Oh my God, you're gonna fall down. Maybe you should go to the other chair. Yeah, let's yeah so come you here. not yourself. We're pivoting. I don't need a lot You don't have to time.
3: stick with that, we Change if things yeah.
2: aren't working, yeah. Watch me break a second chair.
1: How's that? Is that working out? Yeah, Is it comfortable? Yeah.
2: Great. I feel good. Good, stable? Thanks. Yeah, great.
1: Awesome. All right. So let's talk about a couple I want I want people to walk away here with a couple of like tips of like things to do. Like I when I leave here, I need like three good tips. I wrote shit down. I'm gonna make it happen. You're launching the podcast, what's the first thing you should be doing in, in order to grow that audience?
0: What's the first thing yeah I, f- I,
1: give me I, not necessarily the first thing, first three things because there's three of you, so like feel free to like give me what are the first couple of things you need to do to get up there what's the best thing you can do as you're launching your podcast to say, all right, I need people to Start listening in. What would you do? I mean, you, you all know this industry. What would you do, and, and advise anybody to do?
2: There are there are some basics that I still see people not do, like not make a trailer for the show, not update the trailer as the life of the show moves on. Like, because who finds your show first is different to who finds your show later. You know have a budget in mind. There are a lot of podcast apps that will let you promote your own show, like, I think CastBox, um, Overcast, um, not do cross-promoting, not understand, like, who is in your neighbourhood of shows that you could form a relationship with. Like, there are some table stakes stuff that I think is really important to get going first, and then you can build up from there. You had a
3: lot of things on that list, and I was going to say that what you are doing every time you launch a show is a million little things. It's There's no silver bullet in podcast marketing. I know that we all wish that there was, but it is a million little things done well and consistently over time. And it's every little promo that you can find a swap and a trade partner for. And all these little things like that that add up to big awareness. I mean, a breakthrough can happen we can all hope that we will have cereal or whatever the next big show is but more likely it's like a steady build of your audience and then they tell other people and we all know word of mouth is the most powerful way to get people to listen So to is, it, shows. But
1: is it but is you saying that it's just a million little things nothing really works well like what what works no, well No everything
3: works well it's just you have to do a lot of thing little a lot of small things that work well Rather than just being like, oh, we just bought a TV campaign and now it's all over, which is what you can do if you are in, like, cereal or consumer packaged goods, where I came from. You can spend $40 million on TV and reach a billion people and that should pretty
2: much do it for you. But Your challenge there, though, is... There's a difference between marketing to podcast listeners where they're listening, which is what has been tried and true for the most part. And then, like, there is... uh, If you're going to go wider with your advertising, you have to think about how you're going to talk about your podcast to an audience where maybe only 50% of the people in that city or country know what a podcast is. So figure that out. But, yeah, I'd love to see more TV ads. The thing that, like, big... You've got some, like, big clients. Like, if you've got a megaphone, use the megaphone. Not the platform, use Omni. Um, but if you but like if you do, like if you have a newsletter, I see people not put the show in the newsletter with the embed player. If you have a website, I see people not talk about the show on the website, social media, et cetera.
0: Yeah, and I think one of the simple things that, I mean, everybody here is probably already paying attention to is when you start a show and as you go in that journey, uh, make sure you're tapped into the podcast community because everyone else who's doing a podcast has potential listeners of your show. And so if you're looking to start a pod, if you're just starting a podcast, I I feel like some of the best marketing that I did was build relationships with other podcasters, get on their show, they did a little spot for me, we swapped promos. If you're going to spend money on marketing in the Venn diagram of podcast marketing, paid, non-paid. If you go to the paid side, it's in ecosystem and out of ecosystem. So look for podcast listeners while they're listening to podcasts. In-app banners, baked-in, host-read, podcast-to-podcast ads. Lemonada does that a lot, and it's been successful for them. Thank you for spending money on my show. And, you know, so I think... But building those relationships can help you get those sponsors, they can help you get on other people's shows. That's where podcast listeners are, on other podcasts. And it's the easiest low-hanging fruit for building an audience, however that comes, paid, -paid. non-paid. But I think that's one of the key takeaways that anybody that's looking to solve the marketing problem should think about, is building relationships with other podcasters who have other podcast listeners.
2: I also think that In much the same way, like, so you're selling ads maybe on your show. There's a difference between, like, the ads that you're running, which could be direct response ads, and then the brand advertising play. And you should flip that and think about that for when you're marketing your podcast or network as well. So a direct response kind of buy is you want to advertise on podcasts, like they're already podcast listeners. A lot of people get disheartened. They're doing great stuff on TikTok. They're getting great stuff in terms of awareness. It's really hard to convert like a TikTok viewer of a short to a podcast listener but just because it doesn't happen instantly does not mean you should stop promoting your podcast on those channels because it's a it's a marathon
1: yeah go ahead
2: i was going to say the last
3: thing that we haven't talked about that i think is so critically important is making sure that the art for your show is tells people what it's about at a very quick glance I think that a lot of times people have the tendency to overthink their art and make it very beautiful but not necessarily very evocative of what the show is about and if people are scrolling through the apps that's such an incredible form of discovery the title and the show art needs to tell people at a glance what they're going to get so it needs to be tonally right and it needs to be visually compelling in a way that tells you what the show is about so like you could make art that is a beautiful poster or a painting and it doesn't tell people what the show is it will not work for you a
2: hundred times out of a hundred keep it simple and I think on that's the program level and think about that on an episode level as well like I'm a daily news podcast listener I scroll through my news playlist every morning and I pick the title and the description that pops to me. I think a big mistake that we make as podcasters is continually titling and describing the show and the show notes in the same way. Whereas you are competing in a crowded space, yes, you might have a podcast subscriber, but you want them to listen to that show every day. So think about what the marketing of that episode is and not just the marketing of your show.
1: Totally agree. I've seen some just shit artwork and descriptions on podcasts, like really bad. And it makes a huge difference. Even on our own podcast, we we make new cover art for every single one. It goes with the theme of that podcast. It's a description just about that podcast and people listen to it because like, all right, I know exactly what I'm about to get into. The art looks cool. It looks like it's inviting me to like to listen to this. So, definitely that is a huge huge point. Um, so moving on to like other mistakes that people make just just to avoid because I, we, everybody wants to launch it and they're like, all right, I'm going to do this, right? And it's completely a bad idea. Like, what have you done personally or that you've seen? Uh, you, you, don't have, right, you don't have to say personally, right? <laughs> what, have you, what have you screwed up in the past? No, personally. What have you screwed up in the past
0: where you're like, shit, man, that was, I, what a waste of time and money. That sucked. We did billboards, digital billboards on a highway in Kansas, and that did not work out too well for us. You know, there's like, you know, Marketing is all about testing and measuring, and you can't stop just because you have a bad campaign, and I thought it was a smart idea four episodes in to do billboards in Kansas, and we did get some listeners in Kansas when we had no listeners anywhere else, but you know, if you're just starting out, spend wisely. I'm going to repeat what I said. Meet podcast listeners where they're listening to podcasts. Spend your money there first before you go outside the podcast ecosystem to spend money. I think the next uh, guerrilla campaign that we're going to do is, I was sharing this Last week with Sharon uh, is doing bumper stickers and just pasting them on people's windows, and that way they're most likely to turn on my show as soon so, as they so get back on in the So on the actual glass, not the actual like right okay. on the right people on the will fucking love that. Yeah, I think it's. But I mean, <laughs> don't you think they're going to download the commercial break if I put a commercial break sticker stuck on their windshield? I mean, I'm going to come out. find your podcast yeah, real likely. bad. Yeah. But I mean, just yeah. Don't get, you know, there's a lot of people have great guerrilla marketing ideas, and they may work in some circumstances, but I wouldn't go spending crazy amounts of money on that unless you are in a position to spend crazy amounts of money on guerrilla marketing um, or outside the podcast ecosystem. There's lots of opportunities to grow in incremental units inside, you know, in-player apps and asking, you know, networks to run ads for you, host red or otherwise. Um, So spend your money there. First, build your ROI model, and then, you know, when you get that Dax Shepard money, then you can go buy billboards in Kansas on the side of a highway.
2: Yeah, because it depends on the show, right? Like, if people know who Dax Shepard is, like...
0: That's true. Like, no one's going to stop on no a highway been, like, in like, Kansas <laughs> and go, who's the commercial break? Got to listen to them, you know? <laughs>
3: so. Yeah, and I mean, billboards worked beautifully for Last Day, which is the Lemonada podcast about the opioid crisis when we put up billboards in... Kansas and West Virginia and places that have been hit very hard by the opioid crisis, they worked great. Yeah. So, and you
0: have a good marketing budget too, right? And you're being smart about it and you're uh, placing We it.
3: didn't that. <laughs> <laughs> that show launched with two people and a wing and a prayer. Oh, but really? like, okay. you know, sometimes that's the right move, but it, a lot of times I yeah. I agree with you. Audio converts to audio. Sure.
2: It, uh, we're, really, we're fucking really
1: confusing it. people. Billboards in Kansas or no billboards in Kansas? <laughs> no Brian's billboards out in Kansas. there
2: keying the name of the podcast into people's car doors is what I got. Like, <laughs> uh, stickers, sticky listeners, something, I don't know, yeah. We advertised on a tram once. Uh, like like a, a
0: train running down the street?
2: Yeah, in Mel- like a, I guess a streetcar, like, like San Fran, but in Melbourne it's a prominent way to travel. Seemed like a good idea. I don't, I don't People think. listen
3: to podcasts on, on those, yeah, right? Yeah, they
2: were it wasn't in the tram, uh, it was on the tram. Uh, oh, like, the outside, so yeah. it's like, I
1: almost caught the name
3: of your podcast as it flew by. Well, now, when you explain it like that. <laughs> but truly, I do think that that. Relying too heavily on things outside of the audio ecosystem I think is what you're hearing from all of us is it can be challenging and I do Think it's important. I think that it, we need to continue bringing new people into the funnel of podcast listeners Like as an industry we all need to be doing that and it will lift all boats because if I can get more people to listen to my podcast And then we send them over to your podcast like we are all benefiting But at the same time, PR is something that we do a lot of. Lemonada has been very lucky in the amount of press we've gotten. But very rarely do we see that press convert to downloads. Is it important for us to do it? It helps boost the industry. It helps people understand some of the issues that Lemonada is covering, like from just part of our mission and our ethos. It's great for building brand awareness and industry awareness for the podcast industry. Does it translate to direct downloads? Almost never.
2: You know what kills me, though, when I see, like, the... I don't know who's in here, but, like, anyone that is writing about podcasts, like, if you've been given an embed code, put it in the article. At least link to the show. Like, link to the show on a podfollow link or something. Like, you don't know if people are listening on Apple, Spotify, etc. Give the magazine or the online, like, outlet a link to the show that is listener platform neutral so that anyone can like open it but the number of times I look at a feed like hey show's launching I have to go and look into Google Google the show type Apple podcast next to it and then I open up Apple podcast to find it like make it easier for me to like get your show yeah and I
3: should say one of the most valuable things you can do is find the podcast industry newsletters so if you aren't getting Lauren Passell's newsletter, if you're not getting Sky Pillsbury's newsletter, like those are the most valuable listeners because those are super fans. They know about the podcast industry. Those do translate to direct listens and we love them and we love reading about what our friends are doing in the industry. It's I would truly rather have Lauren Pastel write about our Lemonada shows than the New York Times most of the time in terms of getting actual benefit from that mention totally 100
1: percent. brian burletta writes an amazing newsletter even if it's high level and it's, and it's beyond where you need to be you still need to check it out and read it like they the pod nice. the pod uh another conference that they run an amazing newsletter as well it, it just keeps you in touch with the industry and all the other podcasts and all the things that are happening if you're not doing i mean you're here so you're kind of doing like most of that but if you're not doing all of that you're missing out
3: a podcast the newsletter is the one that Lauren writes.
0: Pod news is another Pod one. Pod news that comes is a great out. one.
2: Yeah. Yep, that's amazing. There's a lot you of you can them. spend a lot of money on um, inside podcasting. Like mm-hmm. does like you can do your promotion. There are some people that will take like promos, and there's other people that will just write about stories. But yeah, the the there's, marketing there's one. are there's amazing.
0: lots of them. Lots of audio space. Um, newsletters, and I think it comes back to the point I think we all made at the beginning of this, which is if you're in the podcast industry, stay plugged into the podcast industry because these are the people that can help you the most in getting your word out because they already have an audience you need, and so I'm not, ta- I'm not asking people to be opportunistic. Uh, just you know, make relationships, stay plugged in, understand what's going on, and a lot of those newsletters will showcase your podcast if you ask them nicely, pay them a little bit of money, or, uh, you know, never mind, I'm not gonna go to the third one. Asking nicely goes a long way. Asking nicely. Good. Yeah.
3: Well, right. and for example, Lauren, she runs a, sw- a promo swap database as well as the newsletter. So that's a great way to find other people you can do swaps with. And you sure that I'm sorry, you the, the promo swap database, yeah, I mean, I think it's linked in every issue of the podcast, the newsletter. Ashley Carmen has a new newsletter that just came out. Sky Pillsbury has a new newsletter that just came out called The Squeeze. Like, there's so much great information about this industry by people who are deeply involved in it. And I think if you probably read all of those newsletters every week, you would have 10 new ideas every week.
1: Yeah, don't read them all every day. You're gonna fucking spend your entire day reading shit. Like, you, you got to do stuff <laughs> other things than reading newsletters. But definitely. <laughs> That's it. Breeze through a bunch of them. I mean it's it's good information. And and honestly the big takeaway that I'm thinking here is like inside the industry, other podcasts, do some audio swaps, be a guest on other people's show, like meet other podcasters and just kind of swap back and forth on, on promo.
0: And here's a novel idea when you get to that when you get to that moment. And I mean you're getting close to monetization, you've set out a budget, you understand how much you can pay for an active subscriber, an ROI model, do all of those things. I'll be happy to share that information with anybody that asks or a spreadsheet. When you get there, think... I love think, spreadsheets. I love spreadsheets. No. Can I get
2: a V lookup? what, what? What, what? Thank you, sir. ROI yeah. models. Spreadsheets yeah. are truly
3: yeah. important.
2: Absolutely. ESPN did a... Sp- anyway, we're off track. So Kick my, my point
0: mm-hmm. was is that think about when you start to spend what I feel like is one of the better trends in podcast marketing right now and what is doing wonderfully for our shows, uh, my own and the ones that I'm in charge of growing, is spending money on other people's podcasts, right? So host read, baked in endorsements for your show, where you think your audience might be. Test a couple of shows, there's going to be some duds, there'll be some winners, and follow the conversion rates, right? Wherever they are, chase after them, spend that money
2: paid advertising on Twitter works exceptionally well, but only if it's like a very small clip as well of the of the show. Like, don't share a full episode, no one's listened to a full episode on Twitter. Share like the best two minutes, make a sizzle reel, do something, and then make it easy for them to click through to subscribe. See, that's fascinating, because Twitter
3: doesn't work, paid Twitter doesn't oh, work for wow. us at all. And that's one of the things, it's like, we have a very different product that we're selling, and like, we have a good idea of where our audience is, back to that, where I started. and. I think that that is also something I wish that we could say that what we are recommending would work for every single one of you yeah. and for all of your podcasts, but it won't. And that's where I think that what Brian said is so important. Like, look at the data and follow the data. And what works for one show, like Lemonada, has twenty-six shows. They all have sort of a common ethos around making life suck less, but they're actually pretty different and have different audiences for a lot of them too. And so, like. What we do this, if we did the same buy for every single show in our network, we definitely would not see the same success rates. So that's where the spreadsheets come in.
0: Spreadsheets. So there's a wonderful website called PodScribe. I don't know if how many of you have heard of this, but it shares with you, if you pay, I think you have to pay a nominal amount every month. It shares with you who is advertising on what podcast, who's spending money in the business, including other podcasters. So make a list of shows that you think your audience might be listening to, and then go look at those shows on Podscribe and see if other podcasters are advertising on those podcasts and if they're rebuying those podcasts. So if they have 15 you know, buys over the course of a couple of months, something's working for them. Because us as podcast marketers, we're not gonna suffer fools very, very, very long. If something's not working, it's done. We pull the plug and that's not being rude. That's just common sense marketing, right? Track and measure your campaigns and follow the conversion rates and make sure that you're hitting that ROI number. You can't overpay for subscribers or listeners because you'll never make that money back. So it's so important that you get that at the front end. Understand how much you can pay for a listener and then follow that conversion rate and, and make sure it's under that that number. So if it's $4.25, if you're paying $4.23, fantastic. Go chase that conversion rate. So you mentioned Twitter didn't work.
1: Okay, So so is that, across the board with all social media? Are you finding that Instagram works? Does TikTok work to get you visibility? Is is there any social media that you think can help drive traffic to your podcast?
3: So I will keep my TED talk about the role of social media and podcast marketing short, but I think that social media plays a different role, and it is not a top of the funnel role for Lemonada. It might be for some companies, that might be how you get awareness out. It's free in many cases, that's great. For us, it is an engagement driver. It is people who are already familiar either with the Lemonada brand or our shows broadly, and it's a chance for them to, to find deeper engagement, possibly listen to more episodes or find other shows within our network. It is not the first touch point that would bring them in. It's like when you see an ad for something, you probably don't buy it the first time, but maybe you buy it the third or the fifth time that you hear about it. It's kind of providing that reminder role and it is giving people a chance to build community, which is very important to our network. Again, it may not be for everyone, our goal, like our KPIs as a network are about building revenue, but also about building community. Oh, it, it's I amazing. think it
1: should be. I think it should be part of we, Not only am I with Mopod, but I run a podcast as well, surprisingly. Uh, and it's all built on community. It's it's. There's a Facebook group. We have 8,500 members in it. And people freaking love our podcast because it's all about them and their community and what they're doing. It's. I, I can't. Our podcast would be nowhere without this backing. And we interview people, we feature people on the podcast, and then we tag them, and then they repost it because they're like, holy shit, I'm on Spotify. You know, like, it's fucking fantastic. So community for us on our podcast is everything.
2: Also make it easy for the people that you have as guests on your show to share your show. Like these people can, if you're doing an interview podcast, really time poor, clip it down, tweet it for, like, if they have an audience, leverage that audience, but don't expect them to do the work for you. Like, the best I've seen is people, like, create all the assets and then just go, you can download or link whichever one you want, or you, they just tweet them and then they retweet, like, every little bit helps, but then most often people just complain, like, no, one's sharing my show.
1: Yeah, and tell them to freaking retweet. I, I, we've tagged so many people and I'm like... You're fucking famous, hit like, what the fuck man? And I, then they finally do it and then it, it like gets more attention. But I'm, like sometimes they're like, oh, thanks for tagging me, I don't have to fucking click like, fuck you. you know? So definitely make sure that if you're like interviewing or featuring somebody that has a following, that you get on them to like retweet it or share it or like it or anything.
2: But I agree, I agree with you, like, social media is really hard to convert. Like, there's a this amazing... Um, one of the office ladies, her husband, made a business called Cartooner Radio. It's amazing. It's on Instagram and they do, like, tiny, like, uh, animated shorts based on, like, the, the what they think is the funniest clip of that podcast and I am obsessed with it, but I actually haven't gone and listened to a podcast and I'm a podcast power listener, but I've not yet seen a clip that makes me go and listen to the show or become a subscriber, but I know the shows that are on there. And so it has a recency effect for me when I'm talking to other people about podcasts. That is another thing that I think is, I've heard almost every panel at
3: this conference, people are struggling with, how do I get people to convert from YouTube? How do I get people to convert from TikTok? And part of the challenge there is if you give them enough content on YouTube or TikTok, there's no reason to leave the site. A lot of people would rather watch a 90-second TikTok than listen to a 90-minute podcast episode. So you have to make sure that they're complementary in a different way. Rather than just being like, here's a short summary of the episode, so now you don't have to listen. It's like yeah, or, we all or, wanted to read the Cliffs or notes. Or not. I
1: mean, does it matter if someone's listening to you on
3: YouTube? Well, like, it's it like, matters oh, well, they're not
1: listening to me on Spotify. They're only listening to me on YouTube. Wow, what the fuck? Who cares? Well, it you get d- this listener, right? It
3: depends where my ads are, though. Because if all of my ads are all right, in the fair, show fair, sorry. <laughs> on Omni, it doesn't then always I want convert. people to listen.
0: It's not you know. It's it's sometimes it's really hard to pull an audience from a different platform. And we have a client that has five and a half million Facebook followers, right? But those numbers do not translate at all on the podcast because you it, it, you know just because. You find it in one place. Doesn't mean you're going to find it in the other place. Concentrate on where your listeners, followers, watchers, whatever, are. Get good at really good at that and then start spending time on other things. That's my opinion. Um, we've done social marketing. It's worked. You know, Facebook ads, Instagram ads, stuff like that. But, you know, if you're a podcaster and you're making money with those CPMs, pay attention to your podcast. Yeah.
1: A hundred percent. I've spoken to a lot of big podcasts This week at this conference where they're like, Yeah, we have, you know, six million website followers, I've got you know, two million people on YouTube, and I've got like six podcast downloads, you know? And (laughs) and like I'm like, all right, fair, like build it up, but like you do have an audience, like that's it that's where they are. That's where they're listening to, that's where they're watching you.
0: Keep building that. It happens more than you think, right? It happens more than you think.
2: Do you wanna do questions or do you wanna Oh sure. So the question in case, like, I don't don't know if we've got a roving mic, we kind of threw that on you guys here.
1: Um, Where were you, man? Well,
2: well, how can you not keep up with the intense structure of this panel? Um, (laughs) uh, The question for those that didn't hear it was, uh, we do share our assets, and we just don't get them to to, to share. So I guess you could go the berating route, and if that doesn't work, then I guess, I mean, if there's sometimes there's nothing you can do, right?
0: I don't think there's anything you can do. Right, Some I think some people that I know have tried to put some paperwork in front of guests beforehand. You know, hey, uh, you know, they send them an email, be here at this time, this is what you have to do, be prepared for these questions, thank you very much, lovely, lovely, lovely. We're going to send you these assets, please do us a favor in the following week, post on Instagram and they never post on Instagram. And sometimes the guest will do it for one podcast and they won't do it for another. There's no rhyme or reason, and you can't strong arm somebody into you know sharing a post if you don't want to. If you give them the assets and make it stupid easy for them to do, and they still don't do it, um, don't invite them back on the show. <laughs> you know, I mean, there's can like you, you know, I don't know you, what the answer is. Can you get to their to marketing
2: them. team sooner? Like, can you get to the marketing team before the assets? And then, like, what I mean, when I do guests on podcasts it's all my marketing team that does everything and they, cause they know that I'm time poor and so they coordinate everything and then after the show, it's them that want the traction, sorry.
3: Yeah, one thing I would say too, is really think about what the guests would wanna share and what's motivating to them. And I think that a lot of times we have an instinct to try to keep the guests from being very like self-promotey on our podcasts, but actually a lot of times if you let them do that a little bit, then they're more likely to share. Uh, We just had Matthew McConaughey on our news show in the bubble, and we really wanted him to share the episode. And it was an amazing interview, and he wanted to talk a lot about his book, which came out two years ago, and like probably most people who have read the book are going to read the book already, but we were like, okay, if he wants to talk about the book, let's let him talk about the book. We will also talk about all the other things that we want to talk about, but if we want to give him a clip to share that's about the book and he wants to post that on his social, people will come and watch and listen to the rest of the episode, which is all the stuff we wanted to talk about. So it did work in that case, um, which was great because he has a much bigger reach than we do, so.
1: Agreed, I I love that. Any other, yes in the back. Oh, I'm sorry, you're
3: in the front. (laughs) Hi, sorry, I have like no voice.
0: You were at the iHeart party. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> yes. A while. Ago. She has. I think she has two iced coffees in front of her. <laughs>
3: I brought my own don't. iced coffee maker. I'm sorry, we're swearing and yelling at you. <laughs>
2: it's fine. Um, so you're talking about like YouTube and not like those are where you necessarily want your listeners to stay. Do you recommend
3: not posting the full episode and just posting pieces, or posting it anyway?
2: I think it's. I think it's a really frothy time in podcasting for video at the moment. And I think that deciding what you're going to do forever, if you haven't... There are some shows that have already figured it out and they've got a, a viewership. I don't. I think that it would be remiss for us to sit up here and tell you do one thing or do another with YouTube. I, heard, I didn't know this about YouTube, but I've got lots of clients that do, like, the main channel and then Eclipse channel, but apparently, and please someone fact-check me if this is incorrect, but I heard in a different session the other day that um, if your view-through on your main shows aren't good, they, the algorithm will deprioritize your clips. So, I, I mean, I, I think just it's still really early... Don't not be where you think you can gain an audience, but just be thinking about how you move them to the RSS feed um, and make sure you're doing all those A-B testing things that we were talking about.
1: Yeah, I see a lot of people doing that where they just split up their entire thing and post like 20 different clips of the same
0: episode or just like piece by piece. So We do full episodes and then we do clips every day, so we might do one or two clips of each show. We've also found that... You know, doing those full episodes that are an hour long, it's really hard to pull people all the way through that episode on YouTube, just watching two people sit there and talk, even though we are incredibly hilarious. So what we do is we edit those videos to add video elements that make it, it's a different show on YouTube than it is um, you know, on the RSS feed. So I, I, I you know, we, we found a small audience there, much smaller than our podcast audience, but I think that we found that people are now pulling through that whole audience once we've added something for them to look at. So, um, and I think it's early. So I think you're right. You know, I wouldn't stick to one strategy. See what works. I could watch
1: Brian talk all day, man. You, all day long, I could watch you, buddy. I think he's right. on one of the Question way. in the back.
2: Hi, thank you guys, this has been really helpful. I'm Maria, I'm an indie podcaster. Um, First off, for the thing that you just said, I found that if I directly DM the assets, they're more likely to reshare instead of sending an email. I don't know if anyone's used that tactic, but I have the same problem with the emails, but if you DM it to them, then they almost feel bad if they don't share it. So anyway. Get up here, Maria. Yeah, in case that helps anyone, that's something that I've, I've noticed that works. Brian, my question's for you. You were mentioning um, how you were testing your paid marketing and testing the conversion. I've never done paid marketing before, but I'm very interested in getting into it. And I don't understand the technology, like how you track the conversions. Can you please explain how you do that on a large scale? Yeah, I'll do
0: it real quickly. Um, So if you're, I'm gonna give you one example, but there are, uh, analytics are everything, in my opinion, in marketing. If you're not tracking what you're doing, you are throwing money into a black hole. And if you see an uptick in downloads, that's great, but you have no idea what happens after that? So one example: if I, if Lemonada comes to Brian, which they have, and they say, "I want to, I want you to do a Host Red ad for our other podcast," and Brian goes on the commercial break, he does the Host Red ad. Lemonada asks me to drop a tracking code into my host, so that when anybody listens to my ad, if they show up at the at the Lemonada podcast being trans, if they showed up, then. Lizzie's able to tell. She says, oh, wow, the commercial break is doing great. That particular campaign is doing great. Let's rebuy them. That's a Chartable link. we use. I think we use Chartable for that campaign. So that's Chartable. Um, Chartable uses something called Smart Promotions, but there are many platforms that offer something similar. Um, there's lots of marketing attribution tools out there, and if you need a specific example and want to talk through that a little bit, I'll give you my card and I'll be happy to have that. Discussion. You have to do this, though. You have to track what you're doing. You
1: would not believe how many people come to us and we're like, all right, how many downloads do you get now? What, who are you using? And they're like, I don't know. You know and like, all right, well, what are you using to, to track everything? And they're like, I don't know, I've never logged in. So it's like, you have to log in and know exactly what you have and what's working and what's not working, or like Brian said, you're just tossing cash out the window. You have no
0: idea. Yeah, I think all of us here are going to be evangelists for for tracking everything that we do, and, and you know it's like it's a cornerstone of cast, the business that I work for, and um, it's just super important.
2: And it sounds terrifying, and we are moving towards this like privacy-focused world, but it is remember like it's just an IP and a user agent. It's hashed. It's like anonymized. Like it's uh, tracking has this like really creepy thing, synonymous. And there's a lot of people out there in the network in the world talking about how bad it is in podcasting, but it is very useful, and it is not creepy.
1: I, it is creepy, and I don't give a shit. I mean, do it. You have to. All right, we have time for one more question.
2: If you guys had five grand to spend to launch a new show, how would you spend it? Uh, you guys, you want you take it, because we've only got 20 seconds left.
0: Uh, oh, I think... Um as I shared, I think I would use the beginning of, I mean, unless you're an experienced podcaster, right? if you're just launching a brand new show, I would use that five grand somehow to make the content better, get get your craft honed. But if I had 5,000 to spend, uh, I would do it on in-app uh, display ads. So Podbean, Overcast, CastBox. Yeah, um, yep. Some of them have minimum buy-ins. It might be a little more than five grand. I'm not really sure what the current market price is. But those are where other podcast listeners are and they're listening to podcasts, so that's my that's where I would spend my five grand.
3: That would definitely be on my list as well. Yeah, but I also think the other thing I would do is try to find the most similar podcast you can possibly find to your own and buy an ad on it. Uh, the best things in the podcast industry are free. Honestly, there's so many swaps and trades and newsletters, all the stuff we've been talking about, the million little things that add up to a lot. So. $5,000 probably isn't gonna be the make or break for you. It's gonna be all the other things that you did for free plus that $5,000. But if the 5000 gets you closest to your target audience, that's gonna be your best spend.
2: The moderator and me will not let us go over anymore, so I agree with both of those things and I'll be off to the stage if you wanna hear me go more.
1: All right, listen, thank you all so much for coming. Thank you, my panel. I ho- who here learns like, at least one thing, just a show of hands, one thing that you're going to do? All right, I right. gonna go home now. Thank you.